I'm Kirby Falk, and this is the Kirby Method Podcast. This is the podcast for former athletes looking for something they love as much as their sport, whether it be a career, hobby, side gig, or new exercise routine. This is the Kirby Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Kirby. Hi team, I'm so glad you could join us today. I'm really excited because today I have the opportunity to speak with former collegiate water polo player from Stanford, Jenna Gunderson. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Kirby. This is a pleasure. So let's just jump right in. Can you give us a quick backstory of your athletic career? Sure. So I grew up in Northern California and was a pretty intense swimmer um, from the age of four uh, to high school. Um, but towards uh, towards the end of middle school, I guess, I was getting really burnt out on swimming. And my brother started playing water polo. He was two years older than me and played in high school. So uh, the summer before I started high school, I joined like a club water polo team. And it was really fun. Like, like I had a big advantage because I was a good swimmer, um, but all of a sudden they gave you a ball and a team and, and goals to score and defensive plays to make. So got really into that. And then um, all of a sudden in high school, I became a water polo player who swam. So that made swimming way more fun, too. So I stopped swimming year round at that point and just played water polo um, in the fall in Northern California. It's a fall sport. And then I would uh, swim and play water polo in the winter and then swim on my high school team in the spring. And I ended up getting way faster because of my water polo experience. And then I'd play water polo all summer on like two different club teams. And then um, ended up getting recruited to play at Stanford. One of uh, the, a couple of colleges recruited me and then Stanford liked my academics. Um, so I played Stanford team my freshman and sophomore years in college um the good news is my high school water polo team was pretty good uh so it wasn't an enormous shock to get to college and play against girls who were a lot better um, than the previous competition they were a lot bigger some of them were Olympians um so I uh played the position of bench pretty well I'd say but um got a little a little playing time my freshman year um and then uh sophomore year I got a couple concussions during like the summer season and I also wasn't playing much and it started being pretty frustrating and um uh there were seven of us in our freshman year class at Stanford um on the water polo team and actually four of us ended up uh stopping after sophomore year so it was kind of fun because I got the experience of being both a collegiate athlete at Stanford, but then not a collegiate athlete uh, my junior and senior years. So interesting time. I made some amazing friends on the Stanford team and yeah, wouldn't trade that learning experience for the world. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I think it's always really interesting to talk to athletes who played through college and beyond and also athletes who made the transition to life post sport in college. Cause that's, yeah. there's similarities and differences. So, uh, want to lead us right into our main focus for today. So what's the biggest challenge you've faced in transitioning to life post sport? 
I think it was really hard to go from introducing myself as I'm Jenna and I play water polo. Um, That is such an identity. I feel like in college, it was for me, my freshman and sophomore years. And I had this built-in crew of my teammates and we spent a ton of time together and um, we had to be so disciplined and it it really was a full-time job switching water polo and studying like that was college it's a little bit easier for me because I wasn't that good at water polo in college like I think it would have been harder if I had been like a superstar and had gotten you know even more like positive affirmation from that um I got yelled at a lot <laughs> so it was really nice set out of my day-to-day but that was that was the biggest thing just trying to figure out like who I was and how I would um talk about myself you know without that as my anchor yeah so you talked a, you talked about you know losing your identity as the water polo player and you said, you know, maybe it was a little bit easier because you weren't necessarily getting all the positive affirmations or having all that playing time. I would argue you're still, you know, competing the same amount of hours and practicing the same amount of hours and putting your blood, sweat, and tears into it um, as any other person on the team. Like, what did it feel like? Can you go into more detail in terms of, like, what it felt like when, you know, you made the decision to stop playing water polo and started realizing that, like, oh, I don't even know how to introduce myself. Sure. Yeah, it was really, it was hard. Um, I remember moving back to Stanford uh, to start my junior year. And then um, a couple of my friends were going to practice. And I was like, I don't have to go to practice. So it was like partially relief, um, but partially like, you know, almost like panic. Like, what do I, what do I do now? Um, and I also found I didn't have the kind of not the excuse if I didn't my my classes now or if I didn't get a good job I couldn't blame it on oh I'm so busy with water polo like I don't have time to study it was like oh I have to commit to other things I I don't have this as almost like a crutch anymore Um, so that took a while to figure out I would say um, and then finding something athletic too to like fill that void. Um, cause I w- went from, you know, working out three hours a day to like going to the gym and like doing a bunch of cardio. Um, but I didn't necessarily enjoy that a ton. So I would say that that part of the equation, um, didn't get solved until I found yoga a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a whole experience. And I was lucky in that I, I was a communication major in college, and I found that kind of towards the end of my sophomore year when I was also uh, thinking about stopping playing water polo. So I, the communication really spoke to me. There's an awesome media studies department at Stanford that's doing really cool things to this day. So I was able to kind of focus my energies there instead. But yeah, it took some soul searching for sure. And I was lucky to have the support group of some of my teammates who also stopped playing. Um, but everybody was doing their own thing and like trying to figure out what they wanted to do instead. Like um, Emily, my bestie, she went and studied abroad. And then one of our other teammates, uh, she played in, uh, she started playing rugby instead. 
And then, um, yeah, the other one was a little bit like me and trying to figure out what we wanted to do next. Those are some great tangible, I guess, examples of ways that other, like you and others have tried to find your identity, right? Like when you realize yeah. that, hey, I'm no longer a water polo player. For can sure. Talk, can you talk a little bit more about, you know, how you found things to fill that void? Like, did you immediately, you know, uh, jump in and focus on your major? Um, did you immediately jump in and try to find an internship, like you mentioned? Or were you, did you try some other things? Like, what did that, I guess, like process look like? Yeah, so I would say that jumping into my major and jumping into the job search were the positive ones that I used to fill the void. Um, I was also in a on again, off again, really bad relationship. So I feel like that took up some of my emotional energy and space. And that wasn't a positive approach to trying to fill <laughs> that void. I had more time to worry about that and get myself into trouble <laughs> in that sense. So I'd say I had some healthy um, approaches to it and some unhealthy approaches. And looking back on it, you know, 10 years later, um, I can see that. But net net, the um, focus on my major and the job, like the career path was really positive. And it was almost like I could look at the water polo thing as a way, you know, they always talk about it in a job interview, like, tell us about a time you failed. Um, and I could kind of say like, well, I guess my collegiate water polo career was something as a, of a failure, but I learned a ton from it and I wouldn't really look at it as a failure. So it gave me a good response to interview questions too. Extra bonus. <laughs> exactly. And I would love to change the word failure to learning opportunities or how can we remove the oh, negative I, I like that from failure uh, yeah, I so like that I like that a lot I was just A-B testing exactly <laughs> life with and without water polo and iterating it's all data driven approach exactly <laughs> uh, cool so was there a moment where, you know, you mentioned, like, you realized, like, you can't say, hey, like, I'm Jenna, I'm a water polo player. Was there a moment when you felt like it shifted and you did have a new thing to identify with? Like, where you could say, like, hi, like, my name's Jenna, and I'm fill in the blank. I didn't have that until I landed my internship. So I interned, um, this was 2010, with the San Francisco Giants and then ended up working for them through the next season as well. So that was like, oh, here's my new, you know, kind of name brand claim to fame. Like I stopped playing water polo, but now I work for what they ended up winning the World Series that year. So I'm like, I work for the World Series championship, you know, champion San Francisco Giants. Um, no big deal. Yeah. So that was, that was cool. I got, um, definitely fortunate and I joined them at the right season. So that kind of filled the void. And then post-college I moved to New York. So that was my new kind of thing. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm from California, but I live in New York. So I'm trying this cross-country lifestyle. Um, but yeah, so that kind of became the new thing. So I think it took a while to not want to introduce myself as I'm Jenna and I am this, you know, like something impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How would you, um, I guess, how 
would you introduce yourself today? Or like how how have your thoughts around identity changed from, you know, hi, I'm Jenna and I'm a water polo player? Yeah, I guess now it depends on the situation. Before, when I was in college, I feel like my identity was water polo, um, no matter what the situation. Now, I guess it depends on if I'm meeting somebody in a work setting, then I'm like, I'm Jenna and I work on this specific product. Or if I'm meeting somebody in a social setting, it's like, I know you through this person. So I, I guess my life has gotten more well-rounded. So I have more, almost like more identities uh, that aren't just grounded in the one um, kind of persona of a, a collegiate water player. It sounds like your identity is more fluid and then sh- shifts just depending on the context of whatever situation you're in. For sure. And I think that might have to do with what set me apart or like what I was in that maybe was different than other people is the fact that I played water polo. Um, but now usually I meet people and we're all very different and and less stages and, you know, careers think that identity becomes less important in a way. So when you think about, you know, current athletes or athletes just retiring and transitioning out of their sports careers, um, what advice do you have to them in terms of finding yourself and finding an identity, you know, outside of yourself as an athlete? So I think my advice to athletes transitioning to life post-sport would be to not, maybe not expect to be an instant success at whatever you try on next. Um, I think I learned that through yoga when I first got into a yoga class I couldn't even touch my toes um I was like I'm so bad at yoga I remember telling the guy at the um sporting goods store where I bought my first mat that I was bad at yoga and he was like you can't be bad at yoga that's not a thing but I was (laughs) in my mind um and then you know I developed a practice and liked the idea that it was a practice not training for a specific game or a specific team um and then got in like in that, those terms better. The reason we played college sports is because we were, by definition, really good at them to get to that level. Um, so not expecting that instant success and investing the time and effort into something else, like with the patience, which is always hard for me. And then the, the, the success will often come from that, but it's not like an immediate thing. I think that touches on a really important point and thing I hear from other athletes and former athletes as well is it can be really challenging going from being the best at something or being the expert at something mm-hmm. uh, to not having anything you're good at outside yeah. of sport. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it sounds like, you know, your words of advice and ones that I wholeheartedly agree with are be patient with yourself, like explore new things and like new challenges and make mistakes and try to just figure out like what you like to do and, and follow that. For sure. That's so true. And I love that perspective. You know, what are your thoughts on encouraging athletes at a younger age to find other things that they're interested in or that they like that could be, you know, part of I guess, quote, their quote unquote identity. 
I love that idea. And I think um, the Stanford water polo team actually did a good job of that uh, to some extent through like cross training, just, um, you know, trying our hands at different sports, of course, uh, not ones that we could get injured in, um, but also like encouraging us to, we had a project where we had to interview former Stanford water polo players and, um, you know, write up questions and a report on them. So kind of an academic exercise, but still one that got us out of our comfort zone. And then I remember um, one of our captains, like leading a session on how to like negotiate salaries, which was a pretty cool thing. So things wow. like that, I think are great. Um, the one problem was, I feel like I got super stressed about them because they were still like in the water polo context. So it seemed like it was really important that I be good at these things too. You know, they weren't just like for fun. They felt serious. Um, so I love the teams that allowed their uh, athletes to go abroad based on the season um, that they played in. So I think encouraging things like that that don't really have anything to do with the sport is um, would be awesome. And I would love to see more of. Yes, I was fortunate enough to study abroad and go to Italy. Uh, so cool. I think it's also how your season lines up, too. We were a fall sport, so it's a little bit easier. But. Yeah, we were a spring sport, so we had to train all summer. I guess summer would have been the chance to do it, but you have to come back in such good shape because, like, mm-hmm. fall is your training season. So I always felt like that would have that we we picked the wrong season. <laughs> uh, I love the ideas of like you know having info or tips on negotiating salaries and interviewing former you know water polo players. What kinds of questions or what would you interview those water polo players about? It was a lot about what they do now and kind of the work you're doing, um, you know, about what is their life post water polo? What did water polo do for them? Who do they still, you know, stay in touch with? It's a cool exercise. And also, you know, in college, I didn't know anything about the careers other than the ones, you know, my parents were in. And then I knew about teachers because they were my, the adults I interacted with. I knew mm-hmm. about teachers and coaches. So it was really great to hear. I mean, somebody was in med school or somebody was a doctor or somebody was a lawyer and just like hearing their path to get there. And we had that shared experience of playing Stanford water polo. So I trusted them. I knew they were hard workers. (laughs) Yes. I think female athletes are at an advantage in that we've been put in tough situations in the past. We know how to be competitive. We oftentimes don't shy away from that side of our personality that, um, you know, other people who don't have that regular competitive um, environment might. So I think it's great. And I think it's really transferable skills from the field or the pool to that sort of environment. I'm so glad you brought up the topic of female athletes um, versus male athletes. And I'm curious if you have like any other, you know, thoughts or I guess context on challenges that you think that may be more female um, athlete specific in that transition to life post-sport. That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, I think it's, I think maybe male athletes get to almost like coast on their athletic careers for longer in some cases, because sometimes male sports are more well-known or in some cases like the interviewer 
might have, you know, followed the team or something like that. I, as a non-revenue generating sport athlete, there weren't a lot of existing fans of Stanford women's water polo, but the ones that were, they were awesome. Um, so, but I also think that it's an advantage going into an interview or a situation where the people know you played something competitive and intense and you really, um, you, it's an automatic badge that you're a hard worker. Um, I don't know that that's, that people would assume you weren't, but I think it's just immediately checks that box and you're just an impressive candidate already. Uh, absolutely. I've had a lot of, uh, former colleagues, um, are going through interview processes and, uh, there's usually a lot of kudos to being a former athlete and the hard work, uh, and blood, sweat and tears, you know, that you know how to work hard and get the job done, um, which they very much value. So for sure. And I think you can use it whether you played a team sport or an individual sport, because a team sport, it's like, look, I'm a great team player. And sometimes that might be even more important for women. If, you know, managers worried about like a catty work environment or something, it's like, no, I, you know, I lived with these girls, I played with these girls, etc. And then at the same time, if you're coming from an individual sports background, that's in some cases even harder because you just had to rely on yourself. You didn't maybe have the support of a team and you're just on stage. I always think about how hard it would be to be a tennis player. <laughs> it's just you out on the court for a really long time. So I think either way you can definitely talk about it to great lengths and to make some great points in that setting. That's a really good point. And I did track as well as soccer in high school and ultimately had to make the decision between soccer and track uh, post high school and college. And I loved the team aspect of soccer. So I went with that. But you, I agree that you pick up uh, similar aspects, right, or similar skills um, that you can take with you to the, the career world. For so sure. Is there, are there any other like tangible skill sets? that you feel that employers, like in your experience, have really valued um, from your athletic experience? I think time management, um, talking about being a college athlete and just having very limited time and already being, you know, used to what were 20 hours a week on paper for the NCAA, but a lot more time in like emotional energy and transit to and from practice, like already being able to manage that in a steady load is impre very impressive to employers. And then, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's the biggest one. It's like, it's clear that I can get all my work done. And if I can't, then I know how to speak up and fix something. I agree. I think time management, I think that work ethic, uh, mm -hmm. and then usually either whether you're individual or team sport, but especially as a team sport, being able to work well with others and what yes. that communication looks like and communication yes. skills are huge. Exactly. Uh, well, great. So shifting gears a little bit, going back to what you had talked about um, when transitioning out of water polo, you mentioned trying to figure out like who you are, like who, what is my identity? I can't say, hi, I'm Jenna. I'm a water polo player. So what does it look <laughs> like? And throwing yourself into your um, communications major and finding an internship. You also mentioned that you had a great support group of other teammates going through the same thing. Can you talk a little bit about 
like that experience and how important that support was for you in transitioning? Uh, I ask because this is a lot of times what I hear, you know, uh, athletes transitioning out of life post sport have a hard time finding their team in life post sport um, and that support group. So I'd love to hear a little bit more from you. Yeah, I think it was really helpful to have that shared experience um, with my team, like my literal teammates who also stopped playing. But it was hard if I saw one of them like, oh, they immediately found what looked like something new and great. So it was almost like a competitive thing. Um, It was also helpful to have a core group of friends in college who weren't athletes. So leaning on them more and they were excited that I had more time. Um, and then I'm really close with my parents. So they understood like what I was going through with that. But, um, it also ties into that support group kind of ties into just trying out new things. And like, you know, I went to my classes more or like I'd go to, you know, office hours and kind of find a new group in my major and made some new friends who didn't know me as a water polo player. They just knew me as Jenna, you know, and I was a comm major or whatever, whatever that was in that environment. So that kind of the support group was kind of in tandem with trying out new things. I love that. So it's, you know, it sounds like a a balance, right? So like having support groups from different areas um, of your life and some of them don't know you as a water polo player at all. And you also talked about a bit of an exercise component in the sense of you went from practicing water polo three hours a day um, to hitting the gym and doing a bunch of cardio. Can you talk a little bit about that transition exercise wise? Yeah, I think I was really excited about not having to lift weights anymore in the same <laughs> the same way. Um, and I I think I talked in the beginning about getting burnt out on swimming back in like middle school. So I didn't want to be anywhere near a pool um, post water polo for quite a while. Uh, so it was fine. The, my initial thing was like, I'm just going to do all the cardio because then I'll lose my shoulders and I, I know what to do. Like, I don't need to learn a new skill to like run 10 miles or like do the elliptical. Um, but I wasn't like enjoying that necessarily. It was just like, oh, I, I like working out. This is good. This is nice. Um, but it wasn't like, I love this. Like I loved, you know, playing at point. Um, (laughs) so I didn't find a new, I, I always ran. Um, so running was good. It was fine, but it always felt like work. So I didn't find my next big, like sports passion until, uh, yoga in, in New York. Um, so a couple years out of, or I guess two years after I stopped playing water polo, I took my first yoga classes and, it was really hard, but it was like a new challenge and there was something in it that I really liked. So, and then went from there. So now I've been practicing really regularly for six years and, um, but, uh, I started eight years ago. And you, uh, went through teacher training too, right? Yes. Yeah. So five years ago, um, right at my 25th birthday, I did a 200 hour yoga teacher training. Um, 
I, I loved it. It was a life-changing experience. Um, kind of balancing that reminded me of the discipline of like playing a college sport. Cause I was, you know, it was all my nights and weekends were dedicated to that. And I don't know that I could have done that and balanced my job at the time if I hadn't had that college water polo experience. Um, and I taught for a while when I lived in New York. I don't teach anymore because it's too much time and energy and I want to focus on my personal practice. But yoga is a huge part of my life. And I, I highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in mindfulness or a new kind of workout or just, you know, learning more about themselves. I mean, I credit you for getting me into yoga. So <laughs> and I'm such a big fan of um yoga I just went on my first yoga retreat a couple months ago and it was just phenomenal um and just phenomenal exploration of just like who you are and the thoughts that you have and um just how to drop in and be present and I wish we would have done yoga while playing um I think it would have provided some enormous benefits uh so I wish I would have started earlier I agree. I'm so glad you would have found your mat um, at any point. I just feel like in any lifetime, you are going to, you are going to become a yogi. (laughs) Can't take too much credit, but I will happily, (laughs) happy to be the catalyst. Um, But yeah, and I loved the philosophy of yoga as a practice versus a lifetime of playing competitive sports where I was always training for something. And the idea of not having to train for something but just to work as a lifelong journey of working on yourself is uh, it's really cool. And I, I, that's one of my favorite parts. Well, I think that really says in a, in a different way, what I hear a lot too, is that it's challenging as an athlete to go from, it's really clear what your goal is or what success is. It's very black or white. It's very measurable in terms of being a good, being a fast swimmer, right? Like based on time mm-hmm. or being a good water polo player who scores a lot of goals or being a good soccer player um, who like scores a lot of goals or blocks a lot of goals. And then um, transitioning from that to all of a sudden, wow, like I'm not measuring success on my own. Like, what does that even look like? Like, how do I even know what my goal is anymore? I don't know what it is. And it sounds like yoga was a wonderful like vehicle for you and like experience for you um, and being okay with, not necessarily having a goal all of the time. Yeah. It's like, like being okay and living in more of the gray area. For sure. It's a huge, huge for that. Um, and that whole, I'm a person first and not a sum of all my like accomplishments. But, and I think it's, it's especially drastic if you're transitioning from school and sports to, just the life world like the real world without all those um goals to hit and like clear measures of success i i've heard about you know gamification in the workplace where people reach levels faster and have more more usual rewards because i think even if you're just graduating from college you, you didn't play a sport but you go from the structure of credits and grades to a job that can be kind of nebulous and how you're defining success can be really hard. So I think it's even more stark for athletes, but I think it's a universal experience post-college to some extent. I think that's a great analogy or way to relate it to um, careers and, and what we're all going through um, to figure it out. And 
I think one question um, I was going to ask you in the rapid fire, but I'm really curious, like we're talking about defining success. So how do you, how do you define success for yourself these days? I think I still definitely have the, you know, the notches in mind and it's, you know, how much money do I make and like, how cool of a company do I work for? But it's a lot more, um, you know, what are my relationships like and how, um, how do I spend my time and do I like the way I'm spending my time? Do I feel like nervous and anxious a lot or do I feel, you know, fulfilled and excited about what I'm doing? So I think I've definitely shifted a lot more in the latter direction, which I prefer, <laughs> um, in the past, you know, few years, especially as I've gotten older too, and, um, have a little more like life perspective on it, I would say. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sharing that, like how much money you make and what the, what the job title is, you know, is still kind of in there because I think that's <laughs> so true and real for all of us. Like, <laughs> We're all humans and we're trying to do the best that we can. And I, I really resonate with you, what you said because I feel very similarly where it's like, I feel like I'm transitioning to and I'm looking more towards my relationships and how I'm spending my time and how I feel, right? And the different things I am doing to spend my time. Um, but we've been trained in today's society, in my opinion, um, to be really focused on getting the promotion or how much money I make. And it can be, you know, a, it's a, a lifelong journey you know for sure for sure and I mean you played a very high level competitive sport they taught you to compete you know and you yeah. probably leaned into it because you had those personality traits like I did one of those um personality tests it was a strengths finder test and my third one I was like strategic and something and then competitive and it comes out as a strength but it's like something I can't completely get rid of nor I don't think I would want to but I just have to learn how to work with it in a positive way. Absolutely. Um, so, and I think, you know, one more question for you is, I don't think we've covered what you're doing today career-wise. Yeah. Can you give us a quick, like, just context on, you know, what you've been working on the past couple of years? Yeah. So I work in product marketing at PlayStation. I'm not actually a gamer, but um, it's a really really exciting company. I've worked a lot in the media and entertainment space um, and marketing space uh, since I graduated from college. So I get to use that communication major um, every day in my job, which is a lot of fun. And I just, I love that space and the whole rapidly changing media landscape is a pretty exciting one to work in. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I feel like a lot of um, students I speak with that are about to graduate or thinking about jobs, one of the big first questions I usually get are like, well, what can I do with a BA? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what I can do with a Bachelor of Arts degree, communications or history major or whatever. Um, and so I always love sharing, you know, what um, friends and other people that I know are doing with their you know, BAs from college. So yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. I mean, some places will tell you you need an engineer or you need a technical degree to get in the door, but then you can always go a different door <laughs> to get to those places. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Um, well, good. Well, I thought we could wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Um, yeah. Before we jump into that, one more question for you is, you know, why do you think it's important to talk about athletes' transitions out of their sports careers? 
I think it's so important because it's hard. And like we talked about, it's, it's who you are, you know, it's, it's your whole, or in some cases it's your whole identity and most cases it's a big part of it. So I think the more we talk about stuff, the more we can learn and, um, you know, have a better experience and be happier. (laughs) So I love the work you're doing. Oh, thank you. So let's finish up with some rapid fire questions. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and then just in a sentence uh, or two, would love to hear your answer. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Okay. So to jump in, uh, who is an inspirational role model for you? Uh, My mom. She's such a hard worker. Um, You're kind of an inspirational role model for me too, Kirby. Oh, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) What role do sports play in your life post sports career? Uh, I, I'm a big fan. I watch a lot of sports. Um, my husband is a former collegiate athlete as well. We work out all the time and, um, my yoga practice is huge. How do you find inspiration? My yoga practice is like a podcast about yoga. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Um, I find a lot of inspiration from talking to the people I'm close to and from meeting new people as well. And any last advice to athletes transitioning out of their sports careers? We've definitely talked about it throughout the, the podcast today, but any last words of advice? I think really that being patient and um, kind of leaning in, if something is piquing your interest for some reason, um, you're not sure where it'll lead, just just try it out um, without being concerned about, you know, having to master it right away. Just listen to stuff that calls to you. I like it. Um, okay, well, thank you so much um, for so your time today. I'm so glad we got to connect. Yeah, this was fun. I learned yeah. a lot. <laughs> Thank you.